For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 20 is where we're at as we're going through the Gospel of John. There's only two chapters left. Amen. If you'd like to get a copy of my new book, Fearless Christian, go to crossboundministry.com and you can pick it up right there. It will help you view fear through the eyes of Scripture and put fear in its proper place. Amen. Because fear can be a crippler in anything that you do, especially work for the Lord. If the devil can keep you fearful, he can stop you moving forward uh, for the Lord. So the gospel of John, John chapter 20, verse number one, the Bible says the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. It was the first day of the week. It was Sunday, and she had risen up early before the sun ever come up to go see. You know that that was the most important thing in her life right then. She wanted to see where Jesus was at, to see the tomb of Jesus, and she rose up, and she took off running there. And it says in verse number two, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Now, all the preaching, all the teaching, all the miracles that Jesus did, she did not take an account that he had rose from the dead. She thought somebody had taken his body, and they did not know, she did not know where he had went. She did not fully realize the power of Jesus. Not yet, anyways. Not yet. Verse number three. Peter, therefore, went forth. And that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. He was in a hurry. He wanted to get there. He wanted to know, is Jesus really gone? Did somebody really get his body? What has happened? He was in a panic mode, I'm sure. And so he took off running and outran the other disciple. Why? Because it was very important to him. How important is Jesus to you? Do you take off running to him in a time of need? Can you outrun somebody else to Jesus? Amen? Because that's what Jesus wants from you. He wants to be first and foremost in your life. You see, God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. Somehow we we seem to think that he's different, but no, the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, I am a jealous God. He wants to be first in your life. He does not want anything to come between you and him. He wants to be the priority in your life. He said, I'm a jealous God. And so do you run to Jesus? Can you outrun somebody to Jesus? Amen. Verse number five. 
And when he got there, he and he stooped down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie. In the napkin that was about his head, not lying with linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. It didn't just happen. If if a a grave robber had stolen it, they wouldn't take time to fold up the napkin and put it in a little place by himself. But listen, if Jesus rose from the grave, he took time to fold it up and put it in its own little special place. Amen. And if you read Matthew chapter 28, it'll let you know that Jesus' body was gone long before that tomb was ever open. You see, it had a flat stone that would roll back and forth to close the tomb. And if you remember, the Roman soldiers had put a seal on there that no one was to break that seal. And see, Jesus' body was long gone before that tomb had ever been opened, before the stone had ever been rolled away. Jesus had risen from the dead. The Bible says that he had defeated death and hell. And he had the keys and he's got power over it. He's defeated it. And that's why I know I can put my my faith and trust in him. Verse number eight. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. See, just because you don't know something about Jesus, just because you don't realize the power of Jesus does not mean that's not going to happen. Because listen to what that verse says again, verse number nine. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The scripture said he was going to. It was prophesied. And listen to me, if it's written down in the Bible, it's going to happen. You can mark it down. It's God's word. He will not back away from it or back out of it. No, he said it. He even says in Psalms, I hold my word above my own name. That's how important God's word is to him. He says, my word is more important than my own name. And that's saying something, isn't it? With all the names of God, but his word, you know, like a man, a person's no no better than their word. If they tell you they're going to do it, well, they're not going to do it, but they're no better than their word. You know why we have all these contracts and all, all these legal statements? Because people don't keep their word. That's why. Because you would need all that if they did. But God keeps his word. Verse number 10. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white, sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. How many times, I wonder, have we seen Jesus here on earth and not realized that that was Jesus working? Not realized that God is the one that did it. Listen to verse 15. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Mary thought he was the gardener. Say, if you've taken him, if you put him somewhere, let me know where he's at. I'll take him. I'll take care of the body. Why? Because she loved him. She wasn't going to leave. The disciples had done left. They took off. They went back to their house. Mary never left. 
she's there. She says, I want the body of Jesus. I love him. I want to take care of him. I want to watch over him. And verse number 16 says, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. Now, as soon as Jesus called her by name, she knew who he was. You see, when Jesus calls you by name, you know who he is. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my, my sheep hear my voice and they know them and I know and they know me. And so as soon as she, as soon as Jesus said her name, she knew exactly who he was. Isn't that amazing? Like when Jesus called forth Lazarus, as soon as he called him by name, he rose from the dead. And listen, when Jesus calls you by name, you'll know it's him. You'll know it's him knocking on your heart. You'll know it's him wanting to be first in your life. You'll know it's him convicting you of that sin. You'll know it's him wanting you to get right. You'll know it's him when he calls you to do something for the Lord. Why? Because he's going to call you by name like he did with Mary. Mary. And listen what it says. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. As soon as she heard her name out of the lips of Jesus, she knew exactly who he was. He's the master, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. She knew who he was. Verse number 17. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I have, I ascended unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. He said, touch me not. Don't touch me. I've not yet stood before the father and shown him the work that I have bore the sins of the world upon my shoulders. Does God know all? Absolutely. But maybe he wanted to see him for sure to, to look at it, look upon him. He says, don't touch me. Verse number 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Where were the disciples at? They had took off, remember? Long before all this happened. They went back to their house. They'd given up. They, 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 or they, were, they were scared is what they were. Because if you read verse 19, listen to this. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now, here's Mary out with Jesus, not worried about her own self, not worried that some harm is going to come to her, not worried about her own self-protection, but she's just wanting to do what the Lord wants her to do. And all the men are up in the room hiding with the door shut and locked. Why? Because Jesus had to go to them, whereas Mary was sticking around. She was not going to leave the side of Jesus. And who was the first to the tomb? Who was the first to the tomb in verse number one? The Bible says that Mary was on the first day before the sun had ever came up. She was there Sunday morning while it was still dark looking for Jesus, and she was not going to leave him. She was not going to run away. Whereas the disciples did, fellas. They, the ladies made us look bad there. They most certainly did. These guys are hiding in a room with the door locked. I'm scared to death. Jews are going to get me. They're going to kill me. I don't want nothing to do with that. I'm gone. Jesus had to go find them. And he walked through that door in his supernatural body. You see, because in the supernatural body, the, the natural laws don't, don't affect you. The man could walk right through the wall. He walked right into the room and said, peace be unto you. 
And I believe the peace he's talking about was that supernatural peace. That peace that only Jesus can give between a person and God. Amen? That peace, a peace that passes all understanding. The peace of God to know that you are right with God. The peace of God to know that you are not going to have to pay for the penalty of your own sins. Because why? Jesus has defeated death and hell and has the keys to it. He has power over it. He defeated it on the cross. Now that's a peace that can come from nowhere else. That's not a peace that finances can bring. That's not a peace that position can bring. That's not a peace that somebody can give you. That's an the only way you can get that peace is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can give it to you. And that's what he says unto them. Peace be unto you. Now you think about that. They're in the room. They're scared to death. The door's locked. They're worried the Jews are going to kill them. And that's the first thing Jesus says, peace. He wants you to have peace in the midst of a storm. He wants you to have peace when everybody's out to get you. He wants you to have peace even when you've locked yourself in your own room, in your own house, and barred yourself up. Jesus wants you to have peace in your heart because this life will soon be gone. Life is but a vapor, just a a breath on a cold day and it disappears. You can't see it anymore. But listen, the peace of God that passes all understanding will last through all eternity. In this lifetime, there will be hurts. There will be pains. And I'm not taken away from them. Amen. But the Bible says they are nothing. They are nothing compared to the weight of glory to come. The trial itself, if you look at it, whatever it is, if it's cancer, joint replacement, you've lost this child, you lost this grandchild, those things are hurtful. And I am not taken away from them. Not at all. They are very, very hurtful. And a lot of those hurts are hurts that keep on hurting. There's no ointment you can rub on it. There's no pill that you can take to cover it up. No, they are, they are hurts that cut down to the heart, to the bone, to the marrow. And they really do hurt. So please don't think I'm taken away from those because I am not. But the Bible says when you compare that to the weight of glory to come, to what God has prepared for you, that that is when they mean nothing. That is when there is no comparison at all. The Bible says in this earth, we will have trials and tribulations and hurts and pains and sufferings, but they are nothing compared to the glory to come. They don't even compare. And the Bible says in Revelations that every tear will be wiped away. You won't even remember the hurt, the pain, the suffering. Why? Because you will be in heaven in the presence of a thrice holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I believe that this is the peace that Jesus is speaking about in this verse. And I like how, like I said, they're locked behind a room. They're scared to death, but he wants them to have peace. Now you apply that to your own life. No matter what's going on or who's after you or if cancer's after you or if somebody else is out to destroy you or something is going on, Jesus wants you to have peace. Peace be unto you, he says. That's a supernatural peace that only Jesus can give. Amen. Verse number 20. And when he had said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said, here's the proof. Here's the holes that are in my hand and the hole that is in my side. What's the one mark that man can make that's going to last throughout all eternity and will never change? That's the marks that they put on Jesus. Those marks will be there. They will last. Amen. And Jesus took them on willingly. Willingly, he laid down his life. He said, no man take it from me. I willingly lay down my life. He could have called down 10,000 angels at that moment, but he didn't want to. He wanted to save me and you from our sins. Amen. 
And so he willingly laid down his life. Verse 20, and when he had so said, she showed unto him his hands. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me, even send I you. Where was Jesus sending them? Where's Jesus sending you? You see, God sent Jesus here, and Jesus says that. My Father sent me, and now I send you. Jesus is sending every Christian into the world to be a witness for him, to be a witness of salvation, to be a witness of what Christ has done for you and your life, to be a witness to show people they don't have to go to hell, but they can go to heaven because the very ones they don't believe it or they would fall on their knees. But listen to me, it's your job to open their eyes. The Bible says the little G, the little, the God of this world, which is Satan, has their eyes blinded. They're so blinded, they believe that they're a good person. I believe that I can make it to heaven. I believe God's happy with me. I believe, listen, God does love you. He loves you enough that his son died on the cross for you, but you have got to realize you're a sinner and need of a savior repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the work that christ did on the cross that he rose again the third day amen because the bible says there's none good no not one for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god the bible says you can never be good enough you will always come up short but that's where jesus came to fill that that gap that you can't do you can't do it yourself only jesus can do it for you as many think but i'm a good person my good outweighs my bad and i don't doubt that but when you go before a judge and you've committed a crime he doesn't factor in all of your good all he factors in is the crime that you committed and it's the same in god's court he's not going to pull out all the good that you did he's going to say okay this is the crime that you committed this is what happened and then this is where we're going to um this is where you're going to be judged upon Verse 22, and when he has said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now listen, that is a very peculiar verse. So I'm going to read it again so that we can fully understand this verse, okay? Verse 23, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. This does not mean that they have the power to forgive sins. This does not mean that you have the power to forgive sins. But this is what this means, that you can tell a person that their sins will be forgiven when they have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, you can clearly state, that's what the Bible says, listen, that when you repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that their sins have been remitted. God has removed them. He has given you a new coat, a white coat, amen, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It does, this verse does not mean that these disciples had power to forgive sin. They did not. But even you have the power to say that, hey, if you've been born again, if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's removed the sin from your life, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and you and God are right. You have peace with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. You, even you, have that power to tell people that what the Bible says, because in Luke 5, 21, it clearly tells us only God can forgive sins. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Amen? But this is verse letting you know that you can go forth and tell it, hey, if people, if you will 
Ask God for forgiveness and put your faith and trust in what Christ did. Your sins can be remitted, amen? Even you have that power, and thank God for it. Thank God we can go forth and tell others what Jesus has done for us, amen? Verse 24, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciple therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now listen, don't before you give Thomas a bad rap, there's a lot of Thomas in us. We say, yeah, I believe, I'm full of faith, but then when something happens, you have so much doubt. Is that really the Lord? Did the Lord really do that? Would the Lord really allow that to happen? Does the real Lord really want this in my life? Is the Lord really calling me to do this? Is the Lord really want me to be nice to that person that's so mean to me? Does the Lord really? There's a lot of, a lot of doubting Thomas in all of us. So before we give Thomas a, a bad rap, he was simply saying, I'm not going to believe unless I can touch his hands, unless I can put my hand in his side, unless I can physically touch him. Verse 26, and after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Here it is again, the third time Jesus is saying, peace be unto you. Don't you think Jesus wants you to have some peace in your life? And do you notice that little part in that verse? The doors were shut, it says, but Jesus still come in and stood in the midst of the room. He walked right through that door. Listen to me, there's no door that can keep Jesus out of your life if you want him with you. There's nobody that can stop him. There's no physical barrier that can stop him. Jesus will walk right through it to get to you. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to be by your side and he wants you to have his peace. Listen, this is a third time he said in this chapter, peace be unto you. And he's talking to you also. He wants you to have his peace on your life because this world is so full of hurt so full of turmoil, so full of madness. Jesus knows that, and he wants you to have peace in the midst of a storm. Why? Because he's the one that's in control. Even if death knocks on your door, he is still in control. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment that you take your last breath here, you will lift up your eyes in heaven, being with Jesus, being in front of the throne of God, as the river of life flows from the throne of God. Amen? It's instantaneous, like ripping over a shower curtain and jumping out. That's what death is for a Christian. It's just a door to go into heaven. He didn't say that door wouldn't be scary. And he says, Lo, though I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. That's Death is just a shadow to a Christian. It doesn't say it won't scare you. No, it might be scary. It might be scary. But listen, on the other side of that door is nothing but glory. Being in the presence of a thrice holy God. Amen. So that's all that death is to a Christian. Verse 27. Then saith the he Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Jesus wants you to believe. And Thomas answers unto him, my Lord and my God. Can I just say, the moment I got saved, that's the first thing I said, my Lord and my God. He showed himself to me so real in my heart that I repented of my sins and put my faith and trust. He showed me that if I didn't get saved, I was going to lift up my eyes in hell. And I did not want that. I wanted to be with him in heaven. In that moment, I said, my Lord and my God. 
And that's what Thomas says here. Can you say that today? Can you call him my Lord and my God? Because listen, the last verse, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Where do you get eternal life? Through the name of Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.